Hey everybody, you're listening to So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. This week on the show, we are talking about the brand new movie, Toy Story 4. Oh man. Uh, now as the time that you're listening to this, or as the time this is being released, it's been about a month since it's come out, so hopefully everyone's gotten a chance to see it. But if you haven't, and you're concerned about spoilers, we will be spoiling, just so you know. It's gonna happen. I'm mad. Yeah, it's gonna be hard to talk about but the movie without spoiling defense, a few it things. It has been a month. Yes, it has been a month. Okay, so Toy Story Four. Um, a lot of people didn't think this would ever happen. A lot of people didn't think this ever should happen. Yes. It's been nine years since Toy Story Three. It had been eleven years since Toy Story Two. We talked about previously. So this is a franchise that takes its time and does what it wants to do. Toy Story Four is about. Woody and the gang is now with Bonnie, um, the little neighbor girl who Andy dropped the toys off with at the end of three. Um, Woody's having a tough time. He's not the favorite toy anymore. Um, he's been kind of replaced by Jesse, the girl cowboy. Bonnie's a little girl. It makes sense. Um, but he still has this drive to want to help her, mm-hmm. even if he's not the favorite. Um, so he sneaks into the backpack with her on her first day of kindergarten orientation to help her out and be there for her. Um, Bonnie ends up creating a new toy named Forky who does not want to be a toy no. because he's not one by nature. He's no. trash. No, he was he made for dirty, chili and the trash. Chili and the trash. <laughs> but Woody is the only one who said, who sees that he needs to be there for Bonnie. He is her toy. So they go, the, the whole gang goes on a road trip, and Woody must try to help Forky see what he needs to see in his purpose. Woody has to find his purpose, and adventure awaits. So, first order of business, what's everybody's word to describe Toy Story 4? And I'm excited for this, because none of us really know what we think about this movie. We haven't really talked about it, for the most part. So, so I don't know what y'all are say. I'll go first. Okay. And you may have heard a similar word Andrew used last week, but I think this one perfectly sums it up. This movie is beautiful. Okay. Who's next? Conflicted. Mm-hmm. That's a good word. I'll let you go because I'm still thinking about the word. <laughs> Purpose. 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 I didn't give you much time to think. No. <laughs> then I will say this. Sequel. Oh my god. <laughs> you can't think of no. any words. I really can't. I'm just glad you didn't right. say mini. Um Yeah, okay. <laughs> so why I chose sequel. Beyond the obvious reason? Yeah. Beyond the obvious reason. I okay. I liked I really, really liked Toy Story Four. Do I think it should have been made? Boy, you're skipping ahead an hour. No. <laughs> okay. Getting to the end of the show here. Whoa. Let me, do it. I haven't I, even got box really, office stats yet. I really like <laughs> Toy Story 4. My thing is, is I think that they may have overhyped it just a little bit. Who? Like the press. Mm. I think they overhyped it just a little bit because I feel like the parts that they overhyped were the wrong or some of the wrong parts that they should not have overhyped. Hmm. Like like my I mean I'll, we'll get to this later. Yeah. 
but like you get to get a hot take here yeah i do have a hot take and the thing is is that like i'm getting angry inside of my but, body but like <laughs> does that does that mean does that mean i didn't like the movie sounds no. like it it no. just sounds no, like no, no, to no. you no, no, no. to you the parts that stood out more were not the things that were promised to you amen interesting yeah mm-hmm. okay and and like did i like the movie yes did i get emotional yes was it good yes end of story Okay. All right. I have no opinion. <laughs> well, let's go into uh, talking about our favorite moments from this movie. Well, I want to say or first. You, or, this is so. Yeah, this is. I want to say first about weird. my word "beautiful." Is yeah. that I, I seriously? This is the animation is unbelievably gorgeous in this movie. Th- it's just yeah. so crisp. The colors, the texture, the lighting, the character design. It's all just stunning from the first scene. Like, from the first mm-hmm. image. Like, they had this uh, shot of rain on the road and just, like, the ref- the reflection of the house in it the rainwater. It looks real. Yeah, it's it looks real. Gorgeous. And um, and they were playing around. They, they've done this in previous Pixar films, but they're playing around with, like, the focus of the camera. Like, mm-hmm. there's shots where things in the foreground are clear and, like, the things in the, you know, like, in the, in the or things in the background are clear and things in the background are out of focus and they shift. You know, it's just incredible like this is incredible camera work if in, in a re, in the real world yeah. let alone doing it in an animated 3d world it's just so beautiful yeah. it just stood out to me so much more than it has in the past of just how good everything looked there were there were parts of this sorry were you gonna say something mm-hmm. okay uh there were parts of this that yeah i, I was amazed at the at the animation at the very beginning when they were rescuing rc mm-hmm. i i could have swore I could have swore that the environment that they were playing in was a real environment, and yeah. then they just digitally added RC later. Yeah. And I, I had to like take myself out of that element. I'm like, no, this is all of that is animation. Yeah, it's all of it is, and it's beautiful. Just, it's so pretty, and uh, and yet ugly because it was like ugly rainwater it and was like muddy ugly. and gross. But it yeah. was so like it was da- it was amazing to look look at. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, it was mesmerizing. I agree. It was mesmerizing. The sound, the sound design was amazing. The uh, really, it's it's a very yeah, just like what you said. Yeah, it's a beautiful movie. And part two of that is that it's it's just beautiful from a story perspective, mm-hmm. um, or, or more accurately, maybe like a series of different stories because there's a lot of different storylines going on within this, from Bo Peep's uh, opening goodbye mm-hmm. to uh, Forky's existential crisis. To Gabby's desperate quest to be loved, and and you know, and finally Woody's farewell. It's just all so beautifully done from a storytelling standpoint, and caps off so many stories, just kind of in succession. Yeah, and yeah. it's I don't know, like it's just hard to get a movie that's just stand like just stands so well on so many different arcs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you yeah. know, I want to talk about that prologue scene that we get. Um, so the movie opens like we've seen before with the toys being played with and we get this evolution yada yada but there's a prologue where we find out what happened to Bo mm-hmm. and what happened to RC mm-hmm. um, you know you talked about how what happened to RC in the first one yep well we get this flashback where the toys have to mount this rescue operation to save him because he's been trapped outside in the rain and I, I seriously thought that like that was where RC ended right well yeah. and that's it just an amazing attention to detail in storytelling that that they've done with this to save him and then you know you got he he probably meets the fate of some of the other toys that that disappear over time but the fact that they went back and and tied up a hole that had been left open 
25 years ago, I loved it. Yes. And then Bo, we knew what happened to Bo. We, well, we knew she, got, she was given away. We knew vaguely what happened to Bo. But now we get her goodbye scene with Woody and this moment where Woody almost goes with her. Yeah. Like, toys get lost every day is yeah. what she says to him. And he kind of, yeah. he thinks about it until he sees Andy freaking out because right. he can't find Woody. And it's just so emotional so early on. You you had read a review that said I cried twice I cried I cried twice I cried twice, <laughs> I cried twice, twice while watching twice. this movie and I thought this is probably one of the cry moments this but, is Nick, yeah. this is on this is on Garrett's cry alert is Bo and Woody saying goodbye for the first time and um, it was it was great that voice acting was terrific on it too I mean there's not like any level of this movie you can't compliment it on no so then then after we we find out what happened to these two toys we go forward to the montage of. Woody and the gang being played with by Andy as he continues to grow up until finally they like I loved how they animated his just like turn into being grown up Andy right into that final scene from Toy Story 3 Mm -hmm. where the toys are given away and they're now Bonnie's and we see her playing with them they're all hiding in the closet because they've been thrown in there by mom, who is cleaning the room, and right. the, to- the Bonnie's toys have to be like, no, 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 it's okay. It this is what mom does. Bonnie will come out and get you out soon. This is not a thing to be concerned about. Yeah, they're a little the nervous. Is like hyperventilating, and everyone's scared. And Woody's the only one who doesn't get picked. Yeah, like Wo- new bunch. Woody's trying to calm down the group, but there's kind of like a weird power dynamic. Woody talks about it later he's not the favorite toy and like there seems to be like a mixture of like dolly is the most experienced one so she's telling everybody calm down but jesse seems to be the highlight for bonnie right now yeah bonnie takes off uh woody's sheriff badge and puts it on jesse i did not know it was a removable piece no i never knew that either no you know (laughs) surprisingly we haven't lost that in the past um i want to highlight because i think it's it's easily five one two three four five missable cameos in this movie so when woody is left alone more or less in the closet while Bonnie plays hat shop with all of her toys there are five other toys in the closet with her toys that have been long since put you know sort of forgotten by Bonnie they are Melephant Brooks played by Mel Brooks <laughs> Old Timer played by Alan Oppenheimer he was a clock yeah Carol Burnett plays Cheryl Burnett or Cheryl Burnett which was a chair with a face on it Betty White plays Bitey White which was a small, uh, like, uh, dinosaur. And Carl Rhinoceros <laughs> is played by Carl Reiner. <laughs> Love it. So these great old, older actors and actresses uh, get a little cameo in the Toy Story franchise uh, as uh, aptly named characters. <laughs> and um, that was a... I, I only recognized... Um, I only really recognized Mel Brooks when I heard it. Mm-hmm. But that was a great little sneak in there before Woody comes out and says, Guys... Bonnie's scared of kindergarten. Yeah, so the story really kicks into gear there where Dad comes in and tells her it's time to go to kindergarten orientation. You can't bring any toys. But Woody's like, no, a toy has to go with her. She needs us. He sneaks into the backpack. And sure enough, Woody was needed. Um, This uh, hurt me a little bit. Bonnie is in. No one wants to talk to her. Mm. She's scared to death. She's She's super super shy. shy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this kid just comes and steals her markers and crayons when she says hi to him. Mm-hmm. So Woody climbs out of the backpack, gets into the trash can, brings her some crayons, and 
what becomes the pieces to make Forky, which she creates. Yeah, some pipe cleaners and sporks and popsicle sticks. They come back. Once again, nobody freaking trusts Woody, and they <laughs> scream at him when he gets back. I know, it hurts and me. He's like, no! Nobody got in trouble. She needed this. It's made her happier. It got her through her day. Right. Why do you all suck? Yeah. Yeah, it's really hurt it really hurt me as a as a sort of a traditional Woody guy, Woody yeah. fan. Like I was always more Woody than Buzz as a kid. Same. And um uh it worked out cuz my brother was more Buzz than Woody, so he got a Buzz toy and I got a Woody. And um it hurt to like see Woody pushed aside as not a favorite character, not a favorite toy. And yeah. and yeah, it it, so it kind of hurt to see him really desperate to sort of stay involved in some ways to have a meaningful role within the room and within you know bonnie's life and for her to like honestly if you watch the film she doesn't acknowledge woody almost once even in sequences where woody's the only toy in the room she doesn't acknowledge woody it made me mad at bonnie a little bit yeah for no reason if it's not her it hurts it's not really something she's actively doing she just has lost interest in this cowboy doll doll and so they come back and he introduces them to this creation that Bonnie's made, Forky, who, by all reaction of the toys, none of them have ever seen a created toy before, like a like a child created toy, which you'd have to think exists. Kids have been making toy, uh, making their own toys out of arts and craft supplies for years. Let's so it's about, weird that none of them have ever seen like this sort of creation before. Let's talk about Forky, played by Tony Hale. From uh, Arrested Development. And Veep. Uh, what did you guys think of Forky? Th- general thoughts. I was surprised how much I ended up get like liking Forky. Yeah, I loved Forky. I didn't think I was going to like Forky all right. at all. Forky was just all right? No, I mean, he was all right. I, li- I liked him. Okay. I didn't hate him. I was surprised Forky wasn't as big a character as some of the promotional material led me to believe. I thought Forky was going to end up being sort of a central character, but he ended up being more of a uh, just a supporting role. Well, I mean, like he had a he had a pretty huge presence there in the beginning, yes. And then it kind of dropped off, and the story splintered somewhere else. Yeah. Well, a lot of the story became saving Forky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Forky becomes basically Bonnie's uh, sort of a representation of Bonnie's confidence, mm-hmm. because she actually speaks to the teacher whenever Forky is around. Mm-hmm. She speaks sort of through Forky and. So Woody recognizes that Bonnie needs Forky to feel confident at school, at least. Uh, I love her line too, by the way. When Bonnie comes out, she goes, "I finished kindergarten." <laughs> like, oh, honey, that was just orientation. You still got another year of this. Um, but uh, as a character, he's going through this weird existential crisis where he doesn't—he's not a toy. He re- realizes that, like, I'm a spork. I'm a utensil. I'm made to be used for food and then thrown in the trash like i want to be in the trash he talks about trash a lot how trash. Makes, how trash makes him feel and warm and happy and comfortable he rick resents the fact that he's alive but somehow bonnie's imagination has imbued him with life in his little pipe cleaner hands and his popsicle feet so it's one of those things of exploring the world of toys even more than i even ever would have ever thought they keep finding new ways to expand the toy universe. Yeah. And that's, uh, like, I think the writing here is good. I think the writing here is very good. I don't, I did not think, uh, 
it's happening early. I'm, okay, all right. Um, my thing is, is that I think the writing, it, it's not better than Toy Story three, but it's just as good as Toy Story three. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I think there's, I think there's great elements here that the that Toy Story four has. But yeah, I, I I will say like I do love how they expand on that universe, and again, and again, they took their time with it because they you know nine years later after the last Toy Story. You know, we're still kind of reeling in from all of that. Mm-hmm. Garrett, overall thoughts? So, the my word conflicted will show up in a variety of ways. Um, but I think the whole movie overall is about some form of conflict. Um, what he's conflicted in what he is supposed to do. Um, he's no longer the favorite toy. He's no longer the leader. He's no longer the most experienced. He is trying to make his purpose be what it has always been, but then he is confronted with a situation of, when he meets back up with Bo Peep, about, what do I want? And Forky is in the same situation of, this is what I am. I don't understand what I'm supposed to be doing. I am made for chili in the trash. Like, why am I... Here, why do I have these things? And that's why he keeps jumping him into the trash. And then when Woody kind of finally explains everything, he's like, I am her trash. <laughs> and then understands, you know, that's kind of a, the way. But like the whole, I think that this Toy Story has the strongest message of all of them. I think that it is about what you are or what isn't what you have to be. So Woody looks at himself as a toy. I have to be there for a kid. But all of these other toys have found life outside of that. Mm -hmm. And so what you think you're supposed to be doing may not be the best route for you to take. Uh, Forky is supposed to be trash, but there's more to it than that. So I think that's the general message of you're not restrained by what you think you are and it's what you can be is really what matters and i think that is an incredible message throughout this entire movie and i think that's why this movie exists and again i think it really speaks to the like the millennial generation as you know we're always told we're supposed to do this or we're supposed to feel this way or we have to do this but prioritizing your own happiness and sanity is incredibly important to get to where you're going to be. It's not always about you have to do this and you have to do this. That's the way it's always been. Well, maybe there's another route that I can take that is satisfying and fulfilling. And that's what Woody comes to realize. That's what Forky comes to realize, especially at the end. Again, kind of bouncing all over because this movie's out and I haven't really had a full time to really digest it like the other ones. But at the end of the movie... At the end of first grade, Bonnie comes back with another home-created toy, and Forky is now the one that's like, I will explain everything, I will help you. And he's Mm -hmm. come to realize what he can be and all of his potential, not what he is made to be. Yeah, the movie really focuses on the idea of roles changing over time. What your role is shifts and changes. Yeah, that's that's why my word was purpose. Forky and Woody both have to discover their purpose. And 
Forky kind of has to take on this new job, and Woody learns along the way that his purpose was not what he thought it was. He thought his purpose was to make a kid happy, but he found his true purpose was to make Andy happy. And now that he doesn't have Andy anymore, he can't... He's now seeing, oh, I can't do this with any kid. I could only do it with him. And so when he runs into Bo Peep at the carnival, she introduces him to this new life of, of air quote, lost toys who can spend their life making kids happy when they choose to and then living a whole life of adventure and doing whatever they want. thought it was cool. It was. Um, I, I you, you talked about this as from a millennial point of view. I think Gen, you know, like Gen Xers, maybe even some baby baby boomers can get something out of this too. And I talked about this with my wife, and she thought it was. I was. I, I think she thought I was reaching a bit. But I, I let me see if I can explain this to you guys and see if it works for you. Okay. An element of this movie, if if the last movie was putting away childish things, in a sense, and and moving on to the next step of your life, I think this continues that idea. Because to me, this felt like it could be taken a couple different ways, obviously. But one way I took it is the idea of retirement and maybe sort of being an empty nest parent. Mm, Yes. Finding your purpose after your purpose has left. Yeah. After you're no longer, like, you have reached the end of your work life and you're retiring. You're You're no longer needed in the workforce. You've, you know, you've, quote unquote, outlived your usefulness. And finding what do I do now that I no longer have that job I've had for 45 years or now that I no longer have that now that I no longer have to take care of my my kids because they've moved out and they're independent without me. Who is this? You know, what is my life now? And that's sort of what Woody is going through. It's like I've I didn't think this day would ever come, but I've outlived my purpose and the you know, like I have to find something new. I, I have to find who I am. I think that's good. So I, mean, I feel like even older people, people older than us anyway, Andrew's age, could uh, <laughs> can find something special about yeah, this. I think you can look at Bo Peep and her band of... of Merry Men. Merry Men. <laughs> I think you can look at them as a retired group of toys. Yeah. Who are, who are who, now traveling together and living adventures. Well, doing lives. their own thing. And there's another conflict. And in, in if you look at Gabby Gabby, who is who becomes... I love Gabby the, Gabby. Yeah, but Gabby Gabby is the best villain overall yeah they like, found a I, way to one up yeah Lotso. yeah Lotso was the best villain in my opinion gabby gabby has the best villain story so you get mm-hmm. her evilness and, and what she's doing and then you you come to learn that she is she's like a mix of Lotso and stinky pete and, and yet but different like, than both of them but yeah so she was. She's never bought. She was defective from the box. Her, her. She's also a toy like Woody, where she has a, a speaker box, but she was defective and it okay. and has yeah. never worked. So no one's ever wanted her. She's never been owned. She's always wanted this desire, and for her, the the message that comes across is you can't just sit on the shelf and be there. You have to actively be searching for a way. Now she goes about it the wrong way but yes that there is a message there that is with all of these toys in this antique store of that you don't have to just sit on the shelf and if you just sit on the shelf and wait then things aren't going to come to you so you have to you have to look you have to look for your purpose and you have to kind of make it happen for yourself and exactly the lesson bo peep gave us yeah what he he delivers the exact line of what if she doesn't like me and he goes well you'll never find out sitting here Mm -hmm. you know like you got to put yourself out there and it, 
you're right. She is almost a, it's an improvement, really, because instead of being bitter towards the world like Sinky Pete, or instead of rejecting, ch- like, being angry because you've had a child's love and losing it, she's never had it. This is not necessarily the acts of somebody who actually dislikes Woody, her taking his voice box. She's desperate. She's truly desperate, and she thinks that this girl, Harmony, is the girl that she's been waiting for her whole life. And what a heartbreaking moment, because Harmony finally sees her. She's, you know, Her voice box works now, and she says, I'm Gabby Gabby, and I love you. And Harmony looks at her and just says, nah, I don't want it, and just tosses her away. Yeah. What a sad moment. Like, yeah, like, it really broke my heart. Have you ever felt more for a character that earlier you were like, oh, this is a bad guy, and we're not supposed to like her, and then you go... Oh, gosh, yeah. she did all that. It's a complete 180. She did all that just to be tossed aside. You right. feel bad for you. It's not a I moment like with uh, with 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 Lotso we talked about last week, him sort of getting what he deserves, you know, having a moment of redemption and then, like, uh, did, you know, going, nah. So, like, you don't feel bad for him. You feel bad for Gabby Gabby. And she does get a moment to find her purpose when she finds a lost girl, like a little lost um, real girl. Right. Well, and then you see the the fear whenever she's, you know, they're going to take her to Bonnie, but then they come across this girl who's lost at this carnival. And and that's kind of the moment that she is both, she sees that she's needed, but is afraid to take that step. And so she does encouragement. And again, I think the other message is just you have to, again, you have to put yourself out there. But she had this rejection. And for a lot of, again, a lot of people our age, we get to that point we think we're doing things really well. We think we're doing things right. And then, bam, you get rejected. And then a lot of times you just revert back. And so you stay in this comfort zone and, and you stay in all of these these moments where you're afraid to take these risks, and but you know that you need to in order to advance. But, like, I'm comfortable here and I don't want to because mm-hmm. this is happiness. This is comfort. This is what I know. Yeah. But exactly also, forky. yeah. Yeah. Also, she's, you know, she's just, as far as she was concerned, her one shot just rejected her. So, like, mm-hmm. why try? Like, yeah. No, no, like, like, Harmony came into this antique store every other day. So, like, this is her best shot. This is the only kid she knows. Right. And I think that's also another pitfall that people fall into. And, and I'm speaking a lot of like personal reflection here, but like you think you're made for this one thing and mm-hmm. you just, you have your mind set on it and your heart set and then it doesn't work out. And then what? Then, now what? Now yeah. everything that I've worked for and not so much this, but like you, you see people who uh, plan their whole lives as a kid yes. and they go through yeah. this stuff and they're like, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go do that. And this is what's going to happen. And then it doesn't. And then what do you do? Right. We've and, all been in that place and we've, all, if we haven't probably known people who have been in that place mm-hmm. who you see them refuse to back down on what they think their purpose or dream is and uh, you don't know how to make yourself or make them realize that it's not backing down and it's not giving up it's readjusting yeah. it's changing it's, adapting. it's, realizing yeah. it's adapting you we're always told not to give up on our dreams. Why can't you just change them? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Woody and Forky both have to do. And and Gabby has to... Gabby's a little different because she's more of a... Realizing that there's more opportunity out there. It's not more of a change. It's more of an expansion. Ugh. Yeah, and that's these, why... These like, characters, man. Yeah, there's a lot of depth to this movie. And that's why I think that overall it has the strongest message, depending on how you t- 
ticket and who you connect with. The fact that you walk away with no bad guys. Like, yeah. again, Gabby Gabby is the main antagonist. Right. But she, you walk away feeling happy for her and she yeah. got with, and like overall, and even the, her evil dummy minions, once Gabby Gabby has fulfilled her purpose, they go back to being just little dummies. And yeah. like, there's no inherently bad guy that you walk away. You walk away feeling some kind of positive feelings towards everyone across right. the board. And we, that's the first time that you've had this. We've talked about it, th- I think, three times in a row now. The The antagonists in these films are the characters who are antagonistic through the films. We talked about this with Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3. Some of their actions are somewhat inexcusable, but they are incredibly understandable and yeah. relatable. Mm-hmm. And that's the sign of a really good, not just villain, but antagonist. Somebody who you can see their point of view and understand why they're doing these things, even if you disagree with their uh, actual actions. And to get sort of this saving moment for Gabby Gabby was really great. And, you know, honestly, uh, we talk about performances. I thought it was a really good job by Christina Hendricks in Mm -hmm. this film playing Gabby Gabby. She was very, I thought she had a great range of seeming menacing at times, but also just seeming so uh, heartfelt and broken, you know, heartfelt and heartbroken. Yeah. (laughs) Andrew, you've been quiet for a little while. What's up? I'll be honest with you when I say I've never felt I've actually never felt bad for a villain before. Before I saw this movie and I'm like because Gabby Gabby, I will say this. There was this movie was at times kind of scary. Yeah. Like there's a lot of jump scares in this movie. Have, yeah. Did you all notice that? Well, who's not terrified of ventriloquist dolls? <laughs> no <laughs> kidding. Mm-hmm. Like especially anyone who grew up with goosebumps, they look just like that guy. Oh yeah, yeah. exactly. Thought in the who thought in history that ventriloquist dummies were a good idea. Well, um, remember back in the, in our Toy Story episode, Woody was originally a, a ventriloquist doll, but right. they decided he looked too scary and changed him. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of a callback to that, I hope. It is. I, I liked that was one of Forky's last lines when he said, Bye, Benson. And Benson turned around and gave that weird smile again, and he just goes, He's terrified. <laughs> <laughs> like with a big smile on his face. It was so great. Gabby Gabby, you know, I, I, I really wanted to hate her, and I thought she was turning into another Lotso. Yeah. And then and then when she like is trying to find her purpose, and she tr- finds the little girl who's lost. And I think it's a very cathartic moment. It gives you a real sense of pathos mm-hmm. with the Big words with that college character. words. We no, didn't cover no. this part too much yet. When Gabby is running with Woody and Bo and the other new toys to meet up with Buzz and the others at the RV, there's this moment where Gabby sees a little girl crying on the floor or on the ground level because they're on the roof, and she realizes, oh, she's lost too. Mm-hmm. And there's this really beautiful moment again. That word beautiful where Gabby realizes I could help her instead of going with the other toys and Bonnie because this girl right now has nothing. Nope. But Bonnie has a lot. Right. So. Um. And I cried at that point. I cried oh, is. When, when she was having this moment of reflection and then this conversation about what if she doesn't like me? What if, you know, all the other, all the what ifs that can happen when you're putting yourself out there to someone or something and finally we see that the little girl does love Bonnie yeah 
And, or not Bonnie. Uh, Gabby, Gabby. Gabby. Well, Gabby, uh, her, she, the girl pulls her string and Gabby says something like, I'm Gabby Gabby and I'll, I'll and be I your, you. and I love you or I'll be your best friend. And, and the little girl's response is just kind of like, are you lost too? Yeah. And, it's it's and great. And it gives her, and the kids have this sort of sentiment, this sort of mentality when you're a really young kid of like a toy can give you more confidence because she goes out and she says to it, she finds a, she sees a police officer. She says, can you help us? We're lost, and it's and, and from like the kid's point of view, it's like I'm not scared. The doll's scared. I'm helping yeah. it. You you, <laughs> you said know? it, but it it takes it takes the Gabby Gabby villain character further than it ever took Lotso or Pete. Yeah, they never got. To, well, they, Lotso got the moment and rejected it. Yeah, they, the redemption uh, moment. They were both unrepentant to but an extent. Gabby like Gabby Stinky was Pete just, was bitter for never being sold. Lotso was bitter. <laughs> for never uh for being rejected essentially for being replaced gabby gabby never had it but never lost the desire to be owned by a child to be you know held it's like her whole goal she would you know watch kids come in and just wanted to be wanted and wanted she just reached a level of desperation that she did a kind of a bad thing to woody but honestly it when you see sort of the emotion that went into it it's so understandable and you feel so good for her when that little girl finds her parents with gabby and they walk off and gabby like just look on her face of being held by a child um it's a cry alert moment i didn't cry but it's a cry alert moment i got choked up so that's gabby gabby let's talk about some of the other great new additions to this oh movie. man i've been waiting so a lot of uh a lot of the characters we know and love are kind of uh, pushed to the side for this film. Mm-hmm. And we spend a lot of time with new characters. The first ones we got to talk about are Ducky and Bunny. Ducky oh, and Bunny. With Ducky God. and Bunny, played by Jordan Peele and, and Keegan-Michael Key, Michael Key. Key. They are two stuffed animals who are literally sewn together yep, at, at, the hand. at the hand. They are prizes at the carnival who never get picked. And our introduction to them is Buzz gets thrown up on there yep. because the park attendant guy, who I believe it's I Bill saw Hader, in the cast, is Bill Hader. Yeah, yeah, yep. um, yeah. It's Bill Hader. I could tell after like three lines, I went, "That's Bill Hader." He's trying to get he's trying to get down, get the zip tie off, yeah. and they're like, "What are you doing? You trying to cheat the system? <laughs> you gotta be picked. You can't cheat. You can't. I'm gonna kick you in the head." And he just kicks him. It's great. He goes, "To infinity and my foot." <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, he, I forgot about that. Key and peel. Stole the show in my yes. opinion. They were so Absolutely. funny from top to bottom. Every and there's a, three scenes or three moments back to back to back where they're trying to figure out. They're in the antique store. They're trying to get the key to the cabinet, <laughs> and Key and Peel are like throwing out all of these ideas. And there's and like a plush rush, and every like, idea is them revealing yeah. that they are alive. Yeah, and it's just. Them like hiding, and then this old lady spots him and is like, "Oh, you're so cute!" And then they just straight up attack her, yeah, and just beat her up. And every time, I believe it's Buzz, Buzz is with him, and I think somebody else. I can't remember. The mini who. girl, little mini yeah, yeah, yeah. Giggles. Molly giggles, giggles. yeah. Giggles. And they're both like, "We're not doing that." And then they go, "Okay, what about this?" And then this, it's the exact same thing where it ends with them attacking this old lady, and they're like, "No!" And then they go, "Okay, one more." And then they do this long reveal where they like. Follow this woman from the store all the way yeah. to her home, and it just builds up and builds up and builds up. And they're like, "Will you hurry up?" And they're like, "We're getting there, we're getting there." And then they <laughs> build up, and they're at home, and they just like rise up above this woman's bed. <laughs> and and they're screaming. like, "Okay, no." And then they're trying to figure out more ideas, and they can't. And they go, "We just gave you three good ideas." 
it was they were so funny that um, them yelling like we want a kid man, man we want a kid they're just yelling at, at, at Buzz because he took our chance to get he promised us a kid and Buzz goes I did not do that <laughs> yeah I was gonna say as funny as they are Ducky and Bonnie have have a have an extra layer to them too they also desperately want a kid mm-hmm. yeah um, and that's why they go along with Buzz because they were uh, by their standards promised a kid mm-hmm. yeah and they uh, followed him the whole time for that reason. And they're just I don't know. It's just Keegan Michael Key and and Jordan Peele are just so natural together. Yeah. Their just, chemistry is so and, damn good. And I love Ducky plays a, Ducky is played by Keegan Michael Key as a sort of like hyperactive extreme one of the two and Jordan Peele plays a much more like his bunny character is much more kind of like relaxed like man I told you that wasn't gonna work yeah, why it, are you doing that if you're and familiar like, with Key and Peele they very much take the, the Luther uh, President Obama's yes. anger translator yeah. where Peele plays Obama and Key and Michael Key is the angry inner thoughts like yeah. they they have that dynamic nailed of one bringing the other down. Right. They just lay the two sides of the same, of a different coin of like, they kind of feel the same way, but it's like, I told you, man, that wasn't going to work or something <laughs> yeah. like that. And him just being like, man, I told you, what, what do I tell you? I tell you, I'll kick him in the face. It's great. They just, to infinity in my foot is my, might be my <laughs> favorite my foot. line. <laughs> to infinity so in my foot. <laughs> it was great. He kicks him in the head. And then Buzz has this, this whole time, this running thing of like his inner voice. Yeah, where yeah he thinks that's his a good voice boxes. And so he, he goes, uh, put up my helmet. Or, I need to put up my helmet. It sucks. And he's like, ah. Catches his foot, nah, and but Dougie just panics. It's great. Yeah, you've dropped this, so I feel like we should talk about it now. Buzz does have this running subplot where he has a conversation with Woody, uh, the two of them alone together in the RV, where um, basically Buzz is like, "Why are you doing this? Why mm-hmm. are you just let just let Forky go?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I can't, you know, my inner voice, my conscience." And Buzz does not understand the concept of a conscience. No, but he does understand the concept of Woody and Buzz both having these voice boxes that speak to them. So Buzz is like, "Oh, well, obviously his voice box is telling him these things, so mine must too." Yeah. And so whenever he's met with this moment of "I don't know what to do," he smacks one of his buttons, and coincidentally, it somehow tells him the right thing. Something yeah, tells him every time. You know, like one of them is like. Look above, meteor shower, and he looks up and he sees Woody, who he's been looking for. Thanks in her voice. Thanks in her voice. Yeah, I do. I I really like that shtick. But Josh and I, you've had this. We've had this conversation. Yeah, and you brought up. Think about it. Yeah, you brought up something that kind of made me rethink it. So I'll take it. But for me, I felt like Buzz regressed a little bit in this movie. I felt like they made him out to be dumber than he had grown to be in the second and third. Like he's never been the smartest guy, but he was aware of the situation and and in this one he just seemed so aloof to everything he was somewhere in between um the first one and the third one whenever he got put into like i don't know not demo mode but like there's he's somewhere in between i felt like he had grown over time in the movies and in this one he kind of backtracked no definitely because you look at like toy story 2 and he has that very poignant moment of saying, of like telling Woody, like, "What you're gonna sit behind glass and be loved from a distance your whole life? Like, you think that's gonna be fulfilling? Right? Like, you're the one who told me that the only purpose of being a toy is to be loved by a kid. Like, you're not the you're not the friend I thought I had." And, and he walks away. Like, that's a very deep moment compared to Buzz here being like not understanding the concept of a conscience mm-hmm. or the idea of like what your heart is telling you. You know, like you know whether or not these characters have hearts or souls is kind of a high concept idea but him being like confused by that and being sort of yeah generally aloof you know they all there's a moment where all the toys look to buzz 
and say, Buzz, like, what do we do? Like, they're looking to Buzz as the new leader in the absence of Woody. And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, like, he's very confused by this. Um, and how I felt about that was that Buzz has never had to be the leader. No. So I, 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 it didn't even occur to me that he had been regressed or dumbed down when I watched it the first time. I, I, I just thought, this is Buzz thrown into a situation he doesn't understand and he's never had to do in his entire life as a toy. So I could see why he doesn't know what to do when he's the one who has to make the call. Mm. You know, you talked about that moment in Toy Story 2 with, with Buzz and Woody, but even that stuff he's repeating, he says he got from Woody. Right. He doesn't think for himself often. Yeah. Um, so now that he's been separated for this whole time and they're thrown into the situation of we got to do something, he tries to figure out how to work his conscience. But yeah. that, I mean, he was the leader in Toy Story 2 as he led, he led the charge to rescue Woody. Woody. Yeah. Yeah. He has yeah. leadership qualities, but he may not be a full leader but yet. But that's right. also but a rescue ro- mission. But his role is changing, yeah. too. In that's also, story. that was also a rescue. But, like, the, the thing that you read was, you know, and, I, and I'll take it to acceptance. Again, this is just a, a little quip that I had with it. Um, somebody had mentioned online that, you know, whenever he got reset in Toy Story 3, and put in after he was put into demo mode and then Spanish mode and then he had to be reset to factory settings. You know who knows what he because like for me at that time when they reset him in Toy Story three, I thought he was gonna lose everything because that's usually what happens is you default. But he remembered most stuff, so maybe it's just a level of like some things got erased at that point in time, and 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 that's plausible enough to where I accept it. Yeah, um, I, I think there's something to be said about the factory reset. That's that's kind of the. That was the take I took from that. Was uh, I thought that maybe the factory reset did have something to do with that? There, the movie is setting up Buzz to have to take over the mantle when Woody ultimately leaves for good. So he has to have this journey of figuring out himself, mm-hmm. his inner voice, and how to make decisions on his own mm-hmm. when he won't have Woody to fall back on when he's so used to being second in command. Yeah, and we get a similar situation with Jesse sort of taking an active role, finding ways to delay the parents, that sort of stuff. And all the other supporting character toys are hilarious as well. That's a good point about Jesse, too, because Jesse's the new sheriff in town at the end. Buzz may not have to take over. Jesse may be the new boss. Back to some of the the new characters. Yeah. Um, We talked about Gabby Gabby. Bunny and we Ducky. talked about Bunny and Ducky. Let's talk about Duke Kaboom. Duke Canada's Kaboom. greatest action hero. Yes, I, Canada. Uh, voiced by Keanu Reeves this time, who is a big thing right now for reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, for John Wick reasons and such. John Wick, and you know, it's a Keanu, It's the summer of Keanu, basically. Yeah, and they introduced like, going to be in a big new video June. game, Cyberpunk. Everybody remembers John Wick yeah, June. It's what July a, now, but you One of our John highest rated series, John Wick June. If you haven't uh, watched, exactly, go back and listen exactly. through the John Wick series. Duke Kaboom is, is like a Canadian evil Knievel toy. Exactly. Uh, we get this <laughs> really funny backstory oh, yeah. where he talks about his uh his toy or his, his boy his kid yeah um, Rijon. who Rijon. Rijon. who wanted nothing but this duke kaboom toy he gets him for christmas he opens him up but duke doesn't jump as far as he does in the commercial so he's thrown out immediately so now duke's extra layer is not only being rejected mm-hmm. but also not being feeling like he's not good enough mm-hmm. he doesn't do what he's supposed to do mm-hmm. and he that has held him back his whole life um but bo peep recruits him 
to do this massive jump to get from uh, like a bookshelf over to Gabby Gabby's little lair. Yeah, this, this big so jump. So Duke has a lot of great moments. Yeah, Duke's pretty pretty funny. Um, that one might come back in my hot take segment. Is uh, Andrew, did you feel the same way? Because I feel like you were hinting towards this. I feel like Duke Kaboom was kind of oversold. Yes. By a lot of people to me. That was my because yeah, what's it feel like to be wrong? Buddy and to me because <laughs> people were saying Duke I don't Kaboom. know, you're in the minority here. Duke You really are. You're the That's okay, because, I'm in the majority with the world. Because because all of the reviews are saying Duke he Kaboom stole the show. But to me, Bunny and Ducky steal a show way more Agreed. than Duke for me. While he is great, I'm not very, saying even gonna pretend take. I'm not gonna it. pretend that he <laughs> I'm not gonna pretend that he's not great because no, he is no, hilarious. He was great. He but did not steal the show. He no. was not as not as much as Bunny and Ducky for me. Like I think he was great. He kind of reminds me of uh, Ken in uh, Toy Story Three. Ken was really great, but when it comes to other characters, uh, in in like they don't stand out as much as some of the other new characters. And I like Duke Kaboom. He's very funny. Um, his whole backstory with Rajon, uh was very romanticized and very fun, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's just no, I was no. I was waiting for him to do something really really hilarious, and I was really excited when he made that big jump from the Ferris wheel to the other side of the carnival. That was really fun. Uh, and he goes, and he goes, kaboom! <laughs> when he lands, that was very funny. But yeah, Bunny and Ducky, man, they're just hilarious. Yeah, like that's those were the two selling points for me, and I couldn't. I I, I felt the same feeling. I'm like. It, Dude, Kaboom's got to do something here. Got to do something funny, and I. I don't Why do know, you need him to be funny? Not funny, but just like steal the show doesn't necessarily mean they made me laugh the most. Right. I don't think but, he was there enough to steal the show. I don't but, think he was as big I don't a think character. Any of them were. They, he Ducky was sold as being there to drop one-liners, and they were great one-liners. But but and Duke but had a story. Duke was sold like, as being sort of like a major point of the film, and he was not. I mean, in, in the last few weeks, maybe maybe they're just hyping it up because of Keanu. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, what I felt about. Duke Kaboom was was I think Duke Kaboom was a good side character, but that was about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't. I'm like, oh yeah, he's he's cool in that aspect, I guess. And in it's even cooler that Keanu voices him. I mean, it's 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 a nice uh, what do you call it? It's a, it's a nice pleasant surprise. Yeah, it's a nice nice surprise to have uh, Keanu Keanu in this entire genre here. And and you know he was good in the role, but that's about it. He's kind of, he's just, there he is. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's kind of weird. He, li- the character is exactly the same as uh, the, what his story is in the thing. He was more hyped in the commercials. <laughs> Which is his problem in, in, in the movie. Oh, I get is it. Is that he was more hyped in the commercials? I was like, yeah, no, has commercials. Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah, the Toy Story 3 has commercials. And I was like, oh, this Duke Kaboom character is going to be a big deal. And he's just kind of a uh, supporting character. But uh, uh, see, I don't know. The commercials honestly, heavily featured Ducky and Bunny. Yeah, they did have a lot of Ducky and Bunny Kadoo too. Kaboom. You know who they didn't feature at all was uh, what was the name of the little miniature girl again? Giggles Mc uh, Giggles Mc something. Giggle McDimples. She was really great, and the kind of toy she was was like this little like egg Polly pocket. Yeah, it was a Polly pocket. And my wife got very uh, started giggling to herself just remembering Polly Pockets and remembering these little tiny toys and she comes out of her little home and like uses the entire little uh, geography of her tiny pocket yeah. world and then comes Giggle out. Giggle is like Bo's right hand woman. Yeah, her sidekick. Sister. Let's also talk about Bo a little bit and how badass she was. No because kidding. one of the things that I have read over time is that they felt like Bo Peep in the first movie 
and the, the second one, I guess, too, is that she didn't really serve a purpose, and she was, like, not a strong character, and her only purpose was to be a love interest, and they really redeemed any kind of criticism that that may have come yeah. across in this one, where she became her own independent, strong character. She showed a lot more depth even in the even in the prologue, where it was like, okay, there was more going on with Bo Peep than was led on by her role in Toy Story One and Two. There was some some more layering going on there than, or at least you know retroactively, there's more layering going on there. But she was so unimpactful as a character in Toy Story One and Two that they literally thought she wasn't important enough to have in Toy Story Three. So she got pushed off with a lot of the other less important characters, the Wheezies and the you know. Uh, etch and the binoculars i don't know what the binoculars lenny you know those kind of characters they didn't make it to toy story 3 and Bo was kind of the most high profile of those characters not to make it and what a great what a great job they did by having the forethought to have woody have a little emotional reaction when rex brought up Bo peep not being around anymore Mm -hmm. him going yeah even even Bo and being sad about it and we get to see exactly why he was sad about it because it was a very emotional goodbye and yes, they took her to like a really cool place of like her handling being a lost, not really toy, but porcelain doll. Yeah. You know, which is an even harder kind of toy to mess around with. Like it's very easy to break porcelain toys, porcelain, porcelain dolls. And she becomes sort of this super independent, cool character. Yeah. Uh, even in that prologue, Bo didn't give a damn that she was being given away. Yeah, she was like, "Whatever, it happens. Join me." Yeah, Andy I don't was. Care. And Woody's like, "Andy's gonna miss you." And she goes, "I'm not Andy's yeah, toy." Andy's toy. I don't care. Andy, <laughs> Andy totally just took me away from Molly and played with me. Yeah, but like Molly doesn't need me anymore. It's time to move on to the next kid. She was very mature. Yeah, Bonnie yeah. or uh, uh, Bo Peep. She was well, and she helped Woody realize again. This is this is Woody's story mostly and um it's uh how he came to realize Bo is what i've always truly wanted but my job was to be a toy it was to be there for my child so i can't it's always to be there for a child and if you're a lost toy then you don't have a purpose Mm -hmm. but that's not true and Bo helped him see that and realize there's more to it and that he is allowed to do something for himself. And that's, again, the driving force of this story. You can do things selfishly, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with change, necessarily. Yeah. There's Well, there's not always something wrong with change. It's okay to change. Change um, your focus. Change your dreams. Change your drive. Change, change your, your passion. Change your, your ideals of what's correct and what's not. Yeah. Yeah. She, she even tries to help Woody get Forky back as long as she can mm-hmm. but after the bit where where they just get chased out by the cat even she's like woody what are we doing mm-hmm. we're, we look at us we lost and in that moment it's hard not to agree with her yeah right. i'm kind of like i don't know woody i think she might be right yeah. this her life seems better than yours yeah well woody, woody's main problem main flaw is also one of his better characteristics is that he's too loyal he's loyal to a fault yeah and uh he won't give up, and it's one of the things that you love about Woody, and it's it was, and it can be a detriment to his relationship with others, is how loyal he is, not just to Andy, but to Bonnie, and sort of what Bonnie represents to him. And him having, the, honestly, this is the moment that choked me up more than anything. I'm just going to skip cl- close to the end for Woody's story here. Need to, yeah. When he says, when Buzz says to him, she's going to be okay, and Woody initially kind of reacts like he knows Bo's going to be okay, but then Buzz clarifies, 
Bonnie is going to be okay. And Woody yeah. sort of looks up like he know like he and Buzz are on the same page, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm, she doesn't need me anymore, and she doesn't necessarily want me." Yeah. And I can go. My job is done, and I I know what I can go do now. It's him hugging Buzz goodbye because he hugged all the characters mm-hmm. goodbye. But him bu- hu- hugging Buzz goodbye is the closest I've gotten to like actually crying while watching one of these movies. I yeah, like I choked up. <laughs> Same when he, especially when he hugs Buzz just a little tighter. Yep. And I was like, <clears throat> that was my biggest fear going into this is that they were going to have them be separated, and I was not going to be okay, and I wasn't. No, and then but they, it, they share the they share the two infinity and beyond line at the end, yeah. And it is tough. I believe it's the last line of the that film, film yeah. before the credits start to roll. That yeah. was tough. Two infinity. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of us had a feeling that w- this was going to be Woody Swan song, but it didn't make it any easier to watch. No, nope. It was, but it, but beautifully done. But though. you get it. You do get it, <clears throat> and it's a. I think a very satisfying ending to the film and and the franchise should they choose this to be the end which i don't i don't know anymore yeah i don't know for now for for the next nine to eleven years we will assume this is the last toy story (laughs) and and if they do decide to reboot it then there's a there's a good probability that it will be focused on the new characters and not the old ones yeah. because again even the old guard were not re- heavily featured in this one of the big things that they talked about was this is a, the movie where Don Rickles had passed and so the family asked them to kind of piece together parts of Don's voice so nobody else like um, Jim Varney passed away in Toy Story or first Toy, Toy Story 3 yeah. and um, they replaced him with I don't remember Blake name. something Blake something and he's been in a lot of stuff, and and this time they kept Don, but like he didn't really have a ton of speaking words. Um, there weren't, you know, Ham didn't say much, Rex didn't say much. They weren't a, a main feature, so I think that they're making that turn. Now I don't think they should make it, and I think we'll jump into it here real quick. Um, another part of my conflict was I thought Toy Story three was so perfect that I didn't need this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a. We'll c- call this the hot take section. Yeah. Starting now, I, I don't have I don't have a problem with this movie. I, again, I have nothing bad to say about this movie, but for me, I didn't feel like I need it needed it, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like the initial part of the story gave me the satisfaction to feel like I needed it. So Josh and again Josh and I talked about it, and I think for me, what was missing <clears throat> was the evidence that Woody ever wanted to be quote for lack of a better word free. It was his idea to go to Bonnie. Mm. It was his suggestion to not go with Andy. And I think for me, I would have had a more acceptance of a Toy Story 4 had they been separated. Woody went to college with Andy. The other toys were donated to Bonnie. Because my logic behind that is whenever you go to college and you're taking this new step, you want something familiar. For Andy, going away, bringing Woody made sense. Coming back after his like first year of college realizing he doesn't need it and then him giving that toy to Bonnie and then Bonnie not having that connection to Woody leaves Woody in a bigger existential crisis than him always having driven to be with a kid whether it was Andy or whether it was Bonnie and if he was in this moment where his lifelong kid didn't want him anymore didn't need him anymore not so much want but didn't need Bonnie had already made connections with all of those other toys 
that Woody didn't really make that big of an impact. Then him trying to make himself important and jumping in the backpack and, and realizing that she needs a toy and realizing why Forky's so important and realizing that he doesn't need to be there, that makes it a stronger point than him having a connection with Bonnie and then Bonnie not just outgrowing it. Mm-hmm. I think that him need he needed to be completely lost and I think that just that one change of going to college coming back going to another kid and that kid not wanting him that for me would have set it over the top and really made me feel like I needed it but this one I didn't feel like that I I, I definitely didn't need it well, this is kind of where we talk about the I movies like necessary we were last time none of these movies leave evidence requiring a next one none no. of them do but, but I'll tell you this no. Toy Story 3 <clears throat> as far as a movie that wasn't needed but what it ended up being was a fantastic ending yep this I'm going to describe it this way. See if you guys agree with me or not. I feel like this was just a feature-length, incredible epilogue. Yeah. Like, this was a story that, honestly, if you never see it, Toy Story 1, 2, and 3 are a perfect, yep. perfect trilogy. Yep. And this is like a little extra movie that is so beautiful and perfect that it, it takes away nothing from Toy Story 1 through 3. It only adds a little bit of extra story that sort of sends Woody off in a nice farewell. It's a PS. You know, you have this great letter and then PS, here's a one little extra thing that you didn't know about, a story that we didn't tell you that's just a fantastic little story that is kind of just a nice little extra reward. And if we get another Toy Story, then I'm sure it'll be a similar thing where it's like, oh, well, I didn't need that, but wow, what a great job. I agree with that. And that's how I feel about each movie. I feel like Toy Story 1 is perfect. Toy Story 1 and 2 is perfect. Toy Story 1 through 3 is perfect. And I think Toy Story 1 through 4 is perfect. I think they add a perfect story onto this as we go along each time. I'm more in your camp where I feel like 1 through 3 is a perfect story and then you have 4, which is there. And again, that's not saying anything bad at all about 4. I loved 4. It was great. But again, I truly don't feel like it adds much to this. I think that 3 perfectly wrapped everything up. You had the closure of that story with Andy going away mm-hmm. and moving on. This one, again, there. The, I think the struggle for me is that there's never been any evidence that Woody wanted to do his own thing. And so <clears throat> for him to come to that realization in this one, without it having been set up in some way, it just kind of seemed like it was there all of the same. I think it was just something that he never realized, you could say. Yeah. He never realized that there was more to a toy's life than being loved by a kid he always perceived it as the only reason to be a toy is to be loved by a kid there is no extra if you're a lost toy you're basically dead if you're uh if you're on a shelf you're basically unloved like you want to be bought you want to be owned or whatever you want to be with a kid and then to be confronted by Bo, who has been lost and has made it work and for it to seem like you know you're really really thriving out here um we're risking repeating ourselves i think I just have a, a fundamental difference of opinion here because I just do not think that any of these movies set up the next one. No, but not no. not intentionally. Like three no. specifically didn't, but no. n- none of them did. Not intentionally. None requires no. the, None of these movies require uh, one to succeed. N- none of them intentionally set up the events of the next film, but what no. they did was the, the, the film they made, Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3, and Toy Story 4, all work as great continuations they of did. the previous film with almost no intent 
if of it, it being that way. If anything, I would I would think that Toy Story 3 came the closest to setting up a sequel by putting them in a new environment. Yes. That's why I, whenever they first said Toy... Like, I thought, wow, they actually put us in a scenario where we could get more Toy Story movies. Yeah. Even though I don't want them, they've given you a new kid. You can yeah. do new concepts with a new kid. You don't have to, like... We're not with Andy anymore. Then, you know. So, like, yeah, first day of school, we didn't get that with Andy. Uh-uh. We get that with Bonnie. It's interesting. So... I don't know, but one one through three, you could watch it back to back to back, and it's just great, and it works from like a long range storytelling standpoint. Even though they didn't really intend that from the first film, and then Toy Story Four is this great epilogue, this great like bonus story. And I think that the reason for me, and I again is disagree it, with me, but like the 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 central force around one through three being perfect is Andy, mm-hmm. and the fact that there's no Andy in this one makes it feel like it's something different. It, mm-hmm. It's not, but it makes it feel like that because you don't have that element. And so that's why I said for me, had they ended it where the kids went, or the other toys went with Bonnie and they start their own life, and then Woody comes or goes with Andy because that's where he's meant to be. He's meant mm-hmm. to be with Andy. That gives that movie a good closure, and it moves on. And so if they wanted for me to set this up, you bring Woody back, and then he's with somebody else and in this new environment. And that connects Andy to it Maybe. and it, and it gives a little more to this. Andy is a huge part of this Woody yeah. talks about Andy all the time right. the but ghost of Andy that, again the problem I have with that storytelling is that this is what at the end of three it was Woody's decision mm-hmm. Woody was the one who decided to do this if it wasn't his decision and he was still struggling and then he was struggling with that you don't change anything else outside of this movie except for the fact that it was Woody's decision to go to Bonnie, mm-hmm. and Woody if it can't wasn't wrong? if it wasn't Woody's decision, no, he can be. But if you it, already said that Woody can't be wrong, <laughs> he's always right. Oh, and everybody yeah. does that. Everybody but, doesn't listen to. That's but different. if <laughs> if it wasn't Woody's decision, and that puts him really in an existential crisis, mm. it what he is completely out of his control. Well, I don't know. I think I see what you're saying, <laughs> and you've explained it well. But I disagree with it, just because I feel like he made the decision, and it hasn't worked out for him you know he said hey guys i've seen a path for us out of it out of this we have a new kid and it works for everybody but him which is a really sad thing when you do something cool and it like you're the one who gets fired right. <laughs> you know well, and also I, again going back to toy story 3 that's where another part of my struggle comes mm-hmm. is because bonnie had such a connection to woody in toy story 3 she loved woody immediately brought him in became one of her most exciting toys whenever he was unpacking all those toys she went to the box, found Woody, and was so excited to see right. him. So theoretically, why all of a sudden, it just seems like a weird element of storytelling that she wouldn't care about that one. Really? It seems yeah. weird that a kid would lose interest in a toy relatively quickly? It seems like the most natural thing in the world to me. Not whenever she sought it out. She was excited to see it, and then she kept some of the original ones, and you know, it's already been established that she has toys that she has forgotten in the closet. Mm-hmm. So, so toys like the Triceratops... The unicorn and uh, the Mr. Prickle, Mr. Pants. Prickle Pants. Those, by her, in my opinion, of her like getting a new toy, she would be interested in the new ones and not the old ones anymore. Yeah. Based on what has happened with her initial finding of Woody, bringing him in and being so excited about all this, and then being excited to see him at the end of the movie. I don't know. Kids change their mind at the drop of a hat. I don't yeah, know. I mean, she they really do. They love Jesse, something and then they hate it. Jesse moved to the forefront very seemingly pretty easily, and yeah, then all of a sudden it's all about Forky. Right. Like yeah. all of a sudden, Jesse, who cares? She doesn't mention Jesse once. After that, she's all about Forky. 
Yeah. So, like, um, it's very easy to move on. You guys know if, if uh, Andrew is still on this show? Yeah, Andrew, you... Andrew, stop you making like a sandwich. No, no, no. I'm, we I'm... shouldn't have to ask you always. No. Stop I'm making just... a sandwich and get back to work. Yeah. <laughs> no, You're I on just... the clock here, man. Uh, no, I mean, like, I think the gravity of this movie just really hasn't set in yet. And I think I'm still, like, overanalyzing it a little bit. When we talked about... When we talked about John Wick... We talked about the serialization of films. Right. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Good talk. And the serialization of films is is that they they intentionally leave stuff out just to have it just to have it uh, tied up yeah. in the next movie and then the plot continues. Introduce concepts like in the John Wick they introduced the Bowery King in the second one to have it come back in the third and be a big part of the four. Now with Toy Story, this is a different concept because with Toy Story one of the things that one of the things that you have to understand is that um, everything is wrapped up. Everything is wrapped up, and you try and you you do possibly like I think if you look at all the movies by themselves, they're kind of standalone, right? Because there's nothing like everything is introduced and closed in the same film. Yeah, each one stands alone. Each one stands alone. So the cheese stands alone. But each one stands. but each one builds on the last at the same true. time. That's true. So uh, I think that's the magic of Toy Story. Right. Is that you could get more out of it even though you haven't seen the others. I am gonna say that I liked Toy Story four and I'm not gonna say that I don't I don't think they should make any more. Okay. Like, someone is, that's said after every Toy Story. Yes. Like, yeah. We have to establish that every time, and every time they do it anyway. Mm-hmm. But like, I think I feel like I feel like with this one, I feel like maybe they're starting to run out of stuff. I think maybe. I feel like maybe they're starting to run out. Of, they're they're not getting tired of the old Toy Story plot line. Yet, whenever they come back, they come and do do more stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, my thing is, is that do I think this movie should have been made? Sure. Yeah. I love how they wrap up everything at Bo Peep. I'm glad that they, I'm glad that they uh, take all these different story. Ar- they make a new story arc with toy with Woody and Buzz, with Woody and Buzz going their separate ways mm-hmm. in a peaceful way. Yeah. And I think it's wonderful closure, if anything. I think it's if if they do end the series here, they end it well. Yeah. So. Does that answer the question? I think so, in a in a way. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's okay. Uh, talk about Rotten Tomatoes now. Let's, yeah, let's Garrett scores. You won last week, so I don't know how officially official it is. As Almost it's, not as at it's all. still pretty early. How many reviews but, are there? Um, two hundred eighty. Two hundred eighty. That's not bad. That's a pretty good enough. count. So uh, have at it. Go to town, boys. So, Ninety-eight. Damn. Sorry. <laughs> That was what I was gonna guess. Honestly, I probably shouldn't because I saw the review. I saw it last week. Oh, you saw it, it? I bet it hasn't changed. Well, when I well, went, you to saw the, it last week. It yeah, might have changed. Yeah. Well, I went to the tomatoes thing last week for Toy Story three. Toy Story four was the first one on there. So and it's hard to avoid when you're digging. But yeah. like, so I know what it was. I will say ninety nine. Maybe it's actually I'll say ninety seven. Maybe it's gone down since I last saw it. I was gonna say ninety nine. I know it was really hot. So we've all just shifted down one from yeah. the last time. Yeah. Heartwarming, funny, and beautifully animated. 
Nice. Toy Story 4 manages the unlikely feat of extending and perhaps concluding a practically perfect animated saga. Man, that's like the same consensus as Toy Story 3. I, yeah. I pretty much agree with that. It is yeah. beautifully animated. It does extend the story more than we thought, and it, it worked. Yeah. I'm going to keep my 98. I'm gonna stay, I'll stay at 97. I'm going to go to 100. Oh, I'll snappy. Jump to 100. 100. He's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> One of you is exactly right if you're at home. Who do you think it is? David or Josh? Ooh. You guessed two, along with the winner, Josh at 98. Oh, Josh wins again. Sweet. Audience score at 96. Oh, audience score at 96. Wow, that's, that's high. It's a lot higher that's for uh, than Toy Story 3. 3 yeah. Well, it's fresh. It's or, fresh. By probably, fresh, I mean it's new. Yeah, it'll yeah. probably settle a little bit. Um, how many so. how many audience reviews do we have so far? Five thousand two hundred seventy. Ooh, that'll go up. Because Toy Story three, I think, had like something like a six hundred thousand. Well, so Rotten Tomatoes changed the game. Their their reviews. You have to verify your review now. Mm. So basically, you have to prove that you watched it by submitting a ticket stub or something. Oh, interesting. So. New newer movies have fewer reviews now because they are um, real. <laughs> and how do you prove that for a movie that's existed for a while, like for Toy Story three? I don't know. I don't know if they couldn't. can for that. I, for for old movies, they might not be able to do it. Well, it might be just for like new movies going forward. I don't know. Interesting. Well, I was gonna say like the proof is in the pudding. I mean, like the 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 movie has been <laughs> able to the the movie's been able to stand out right. like. Like the the fact that we're still talking about it, and nobody, you can't really say a bad thing about it. Yeah, you, you can't really say a bad thing about it. I mean, it's it's close to perfect. Right. So I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, so the the verification again, the proof is there. Okay. So first uh, ranks. Yeah. Oh, I did. I forgot. We have to. We are picking a new movie. But we gotta do our first. I know, but first. I just realized. Oh yeah, yeah, we got we we're rolling the we're uh, getting out the old wheel again. So I was gonna say I'm gonna run the game for the next one, but then I remembered I don't know what it is yet. Yeah. So. Uh, okay, so let's uh, let's do our our review out of. Um, do we want to re rank the series? Last week we we ranked the first three before. Yeah, we had I figure us. we would rank this one though first. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We haven't said what we would do it. Oh. And then we would do this. I thought series. you said let's spin the wheel. I'm sorry. I'm looking what? at my notes. I'm confused. Everybody's confused. We are going to rate the movie. Then we are going to rank the series. Yes. Then we are going to pick a new movie. I was Like listening. we have done every time. All right. We can cut this if you want. Uh, out of we'll stick with the sheriff stars. Out of out of five sheriff stars, where do you put Toy Story Four? My word comes back here. Uh, four and a half. Conflicted. I'll say five. I say five. I almost say five just on animation quality alone. It's Animation's beautiful. amazing. It's the best animation yeah. I've ever seen. Uh, I would go with four and a half as well. Okay. This is a movie theater movie. This is one you have to see in the theaters. Do not I, wait for Netflix. Do not wait for Disney+. Uh, Plus Disney Plus. For. It's an exclusive. You yeah. know, uh, don't wait for those. See it now. What about in 3D? I haven't seen it. Didn't I don't watch 3D. Did you guys try it in 3D? No. I bet it looks fantastic too. Anymore. I don't yeah. like 3D that much. I wear glasses. Okay, so it makes now it we'll rank the series. Does everyone remember what they ranked one through three? Three, uh, one, two. I think that was everybody. I except did three, for one, two. Yeah. Yeah. Three, one, two as well. Yeah, I think I did that as well. So now throw four into the mix, and I know it's hard because we all just saw it within right. the last twenty-four to forty-eight hours. 
Here it comes. I'll so do mine. things could change. I'll do mine first for me. Three, four, one, two. Toy Story 3, Toy Story 4, 1, and 2. 3, 1, 4, 2. 3, 1, 4, 2. I'm going to do it. 4, 3, 1, 2. Wow, 4 jumps up for you above Toy Story 3. Amazing. I'm going to do it. I know it. I know Garrett. Look at Eric. He's a Toy Story 3 guy. Oh, yeah. So am I. It will never right. be dethroned. Um, I thought it was better. <laughs> man. The, again, I really have been conflicted this whole time. Because where I want to put it, it doesn't necessarily work. But I only want to put it there because I truly feel like this is a asterisk-style movie. A, like the epilogue. Mm-hmm. And so for me... The epilogue is part of a story. I know, but... It's it, not separate. No, but, well, it, but it's it, like, it is. It's, and so here's f- what happened after yeah. the main conclusion And of so the for story. me, my natural instinct is to go 3, 1, 2, 4. But that's not saying that I think Toy Story that's 4 is a offensive. bad... No, it's not. It's not <laughs> offensive at all because there's nothing wrong with that movie. If I'm looking at it as a fully, how do I rank the Toy Story series and how do I feel about it? I feel like 1, 2, and 3 are complete things and then 4 is sec- is is uh, like an askew. So that's the way I feel. But if I'm looking at it from a purely movie-based standpoint, then it would be 3, 1, 4, 2. It's the same as Andrew. Yeah. But if I'm looking at it as a series as a whole, I put four at the bottom just because I feel like, for me personally, at this moment, four feels different than the fully connected pieces of one, two, and three. I'll agree that four does feel different. There is a different feel about four. It feels like somebody described it as an adventure movie. part of the series. I don't understand this. Three is like a prison break movie. Two is a... I don't know what you had to describe to a coming of age story. I don't know. It's anyway, a, I mean, it's a rescue mission. It's a rescue story, but two it's and, two and four are both rescue. But what's missions. Woody's side of that story? Of the of sort of well, crisis of Woody's confidence. side of Toy Story Two is also an escape mission. Yeah, yeah it's like a crisis of confidence. <laughs> but yeah, he does have the. But anyhow, yeah, I just yeah, I agree that I think three stands above for me still. Like it's just so I'm so emotionally connected to that film. Before it just really hit me in a different way than I thought it would. Yeah. One is still special for being great. And then two has always just kind of been one that I, I like, but I've never liked yep. it that much. Yeah, at the end of the day this is separating between like one point. Yeah. Like this is a series that goes from like ninety eight percent to one hundred percent. Yep. The first two are one are, are full one hundreds, three yeah. and four are ninety eights on yeah. Rotten Tomato Wiz we found out over the course of this. Yeah. So like I'm not saying that they're bad. They're all like on the same line. Like college ruled written in a in an order on the same line so i don't have a problem with any of these movies it's just a ranking yeah i guess everyone i mean it's like it's like i talked about the guy i know earlier who doesn't consider three part of it yeah his his toy stories one and two and anything else he doesn't want don't get it and like you shake your head at that but i shake your head at you guys with four everyone has a different sure that's how it is like you you did that but like i'm boggling my mind trying to figure out how you guys consider four separate but that's how we are with this guy in three. Yeah. I don't get it. And that's what happens when you make a perfect franchise, which is what Pixar has done. They have. Should we? This is perfect. This I is, will not yeah, no. take away any, like you every movie You will never find perfect. four movies that go together that are this good. Yep. I don't believe you will. Nope. Nope. So uh, we talked about it last week a little bit. We might do like a bonus franchise. Like a, like someday in the future we might do some bonus ideas for for sequel related podcasts yeah. or movie related podcasts. I think definitely there's not many that we would have to talk about. This should definitely go into the bucket of best 
fourth movies in a franchise. Yeah. As far as things go, I think that this is this might be the number one. I mean, we have to go through and really look. I mean, Endgame is the fourth movie in a Avengers franchise. Right. So I mean, there's a lot. There's a few that it would compete with, but uh, that's something that I, I kind of look forward to the idea of talking about sequels, threequels, and fourquels, if you will. The, the second. Okay. Quatrels. Let's pick a new. Let's pick a new series. All oh right, my God, we're spinning the wheel. We got 170 <laughs> movies on the list here. We each get a veto. Uh, the first up on the list. Now this one we're gonna have to have a debate about. The first one. The first one because they're separated, but we'll see. So 165 is X Men. Now Ooh. I have them separated by X Men one through three. And then X-Men starting with First Class going to Dark Phoenix. Mm. Are they separate? Are they together? Does First Class start the separation or does like Apocalypse or uh, Days of Future Past separate? Do we want to do a seven film series? (laughs) Or do we want to do two, three part series? Right, exactly. I I think they're separate. I think they're separate enough. I think definitely the first class starts a new thing, even though it does yeah. in some way tie back into the original series with the older actors. It in. ties in, but it also erases it. Yeah. yeah. So I think that if we did X-Men, we do the first three, and uh, we uh, ignore the origin film. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, take while Deadpool movies. and Deadpool 2 were good, I think, honestly, maybe X-Men Origins should go with Deadpool. See, with the Deadpool series, origins should never be talked. <laughs> no, about. that no. would be part of what we would have to call the Wolverine franchise. With oh, right, right, right. Origins, Wolverine, Wolverine and, Logan. and Logan. Yes, exactly. Oh, I don't have that on the list. Yeah. I can do that. I'll do that exactly. Now. That's exactly how we should process that. And then Deadpool's his own group. Deadpool's his own group. X Men First Class is its and then First Class through Dark Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh, so how are we looking at this then? We want to do the first yeah, so three. Which one is it? You or are we vetoing this? The first three. Man, I hate those movies. Fiery passion. I would be interested to revisit one. I have I I not, I loved them when I was young. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about them now. I, I did not. Well, we can talk about if we decide to do it. But I I I am kind of like tossed in between here because like it it, it was one of those things where it was like it was okay, really good, not so good, and I would probably veto. You would probably veto. Well, this is the time to discuss yeah, it. Now. I'm. I don't. Th- I think I'm not going to veto. Andrew, do you want to veto? Garrett, do you want to veto? I know it's coming next, so I plead the fifth. <laughs> we gotta figure that I, out because yeah, I don't Andrew, normally look ahead. I'd say, Andrew, I what now? Do you want to veto? I will veto because I'm just not excited about the idea. Okay. I want to. Okay. I want whatever. And this is gonna screw me. I know. But like while watching the the original three X Men. X Men, X Two, and Last Stand would be interesting. I just want to—I don't know—I want to watch something that will get ex- a little bit excited about whether it's excited for how crap it is or for how great it is. Okay, okay so, so I'll you, veto. You, you are veto. So Andrew, yes. you're safe. The three of us still well, have vetoes. You. You All right. Uh, next one is the Dumb and Dumber franchise. I will veto that. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. You didn't want to watch X-Men. No, but I didn't veto it either. (laughs) I would have watched it over Dumb and Dumber. I did it for you and Andrew. All right. Up next. Uh, Superman. Which one? Now, I don't know. That's another debate we'll have to have. I have Superman and four movies, so I'm assuming Christopher Reeves. Yeah. Didn't he do more than four? He just just did did the four. He just did the four. Just did Superman, Superman 2. What was the third one called? 
think it was Superman, Superman 3. Three. Four was called Quest for Peace. I think it was just Superman Three. I don't think they had like a subtitle to it. They don't have a subtitle. Superman Three. The Christopher Reeve Superman movies spanning 1977 to that we don't do enough older movies. Ah, fair! And Superman <laughs> is 1977. It honestly is the first real comic book movie. It is. So, really? I mean... On a, on a mainstream level. On a mainstream level, and and we've never we've not done anything. I don't think we've ever done a movie that's from the 70s. Well, Star, Star Wars. Wars. Well, you guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't here done then. one from the 70s. And I haven't done one from... Over the, a year and a half ago. I haven't yeah. done one from the 70s. But yeah, yeah. go back and watch our wow. Star Wars podcast. They're great. Um, I think... So I would I would be fine with it. I know that series is one of those ones that depreciates over time. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's, it, I have no memory of it's watching. Totally Superman different 3. style of filmmaking. Honestly, I feel like this group will find it boring. Maybe boring, but also might find lots to laugh about. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, that, that would be especially an the one concept. with Richard Pryor. Yeah, <laughs> which is not good. Yeah, that's the one that introduces the concept of what they end up doing in Office Space. We're talking about it enough. I don't think. I will veto it. Andrew? I can't. He can't. No, it's just down to me, and I'm not oh, yeah, going to do it. Oh, yeah, you vetoed Dumb and Dumb. I'm not going to do it because I've never seen it. You said you are not? I said I am not going to veto. So we are going to do Superman, Christopher Reeve. Uh, Had next. we vetoed, we would have gone to uh, Rocky and Creed. We lumped those together. Those can be separated now. That I think at the time this list was made, it made there was not Two a Creed Creed's. franchise. Right. Uh, so it would have been Rocky plus Creed. Now there's Creed 2. Oh, like, so either that's way... Like, that's like nine yeah, movies. Yeah, either way, we were going to do old movies, I guess. Yep. Yeah, because Rocky's... And had, come out. Rocky's had we vetoed older. that, we would have landed. Oh, no, oh my God. I'm, I'm, this is what we would have had to do. Yep, I am almost positive that I will be the only one that's relatively excited about this. Oh, for God's sake. The Three Ninjas franchise. Oh! oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would have been... Something oh. that would have been real bad, but I'd have been real happy. Oh. Our lowest listened to podcast since Kick Ass. Oh yeah, yep. that's something that like I don't know. I, those movies should be erased from history. <laughs> 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 they might be hard. It might be impossible to find them. I think I think I have some VHS copies still. You got a VCR? Maybe. No, but we, you we know, know somebody in Oklahoma. Call them that anymore? They call them cassette players or video players. I've whatever. noticed that it's really... Why do uh, people forget that they were called VCRs? Was VCR a brand? Did everyone get dumb? No, no it's video cassette recorder. That's what it was. Yeah. That's what it was. And now they, like, they forgot they what it like was called. They call them like cassette players, yeah, and that's weird to me. Yeah, yep. I don't know. Anyway. Okay, so Superman. It's just called Superman. Superman the movie, directed by uh, Richard, Richard Donner. Donner. Ooh, ooh, here's a good question. Do we do the Richard Donner cut or do we do the theatrical cut? Which one's Everybody, better? I guess we do what we find. Uh, which, which what'd you say? <laughs> which one's better? People Donner love the cut. Richard Donner cuts of Superman too. Because historically, go, Richard Donner go. was fired from that movie, right? Mm. And then the studio pushed out this shit that he didn't like, and so decades later, he got to release his version of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, I think it's which whatever most you find. Fans agree is better. I I would agree. I would go with the Richard Donner cut. I think it'd be more interesting. I think it'd be interesting if, if we just found stuff and didn't tell, and then we come back and maybe we've all watched a different version of Superman. <laughs> that would be unfortunate for someone. Um, 
Oh, we got enough time. Maybe we'll watch both. <laughs> we'll see. Okay, so we will do Superman, one of those cuts. We'll let you know when it comes out. Um, you can find us online at facebook.com slash so many sequels pod and on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for us there. And as always, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Play Music, Anchor, Soundstooth, SoundCloud. I'm just, I could just be making up words now and no one would know. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sound check machine. us out on, uh, on, on Caster. Ear Whispers. <laughs> uh, pod, Ghost Tunes. Pod Brain. <laughs> pod Brain. Okay. Pod Brain uh, is a un- Until next time. To infinity and beyond.